doing everything else to support the body, but then some just extra help that we need, probably because we live in a, the modern world and you know, exposed to toxins and additional stresses. So let's talking about let's talk about what's going on with this the heavy periods and and how that relates to the hormonal imbalance that's also the culprit for thyroid disease during this time you know it's like kicked off in our 40s yeah so the phrase is thyropause so there's a little <laughs> section in my book about that when thyroid when perimenopause and thyroid intersect that can be a confusing time in that they can be um, because they have similar symptoms, of course, when thyroid goes underactive, you can have sleep disturbance, heavy periods, irregular periods. And of course, the two hormonal systems, thyroid and female hormones, interact with each other so they can compound each other. I think, you know, at the heart of it, I th and maybe you could say whether you agree with this, I think one of the big changes that happens in our 40s is we start to lose progesterone. It's just not, it's a difficult hormone to make to begin with. It requires a lot of vitality of the over ovarian follicles. And I, you know, it's, it's just a natural process that we're going to make less in our forties. I don't think of it as a, one message in my book is that it's not a failure of us, you know, in, in terms of our health or our nutrition, it, it's just a natural process that the follicle, ovarian follicles become less active. So losing progesterone puts us at risk of many things, including well, we mentioned thyroid, including potentially autoimmune thyroid because progesterone has a regulating anti-inflammatory effect on the immune system and it also directly supports thyroid. So that can be a double whammy when we lose progesterone, we're at greater risk of autoimmune thyroid disease, for example. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. That decline of progesterone starting in the mid-30s on, right? Yeah. And really we attribute that to, and I want to talk about maintaining your vitality to nurture progesterone as long as possible because that's really key. But often, like that's one of the big things that I supplement with is progesterone, bioidentical yeah. progesterone, and also using nutrients to support our body's own natural production and detox, you know, of progesterone as well as detoxification of you know, the endocrine disruptors that can throw our ovaries for a loop. But I would like to emphasize that I want women to know this transition time period, you know, think back to when we started our periods, that was a huge transition time period for our bodies. And there's a period of adjustment. And research shows that we do better if we don't um, interfere with the natural process, but doesn't mean the unnatural process, right? We want to yeah. not interfere with the natural process. The same thing in the perimenopause, postmenopause. We want to support the natural process as much as possible into this transition. So with that said, I am, you know, a fan of lowest effective dosages, just doing what we need to do to support the body in this transition time period because we often live very unnatural lives. So we need this additional support. Would you agree, Lara? I agree. I, I think a natural progesterone supplement, whether it's a cream or in some cases, I think even as a capsule form yeah. can be a lifesaver. Mm -hmm. It's to me, it's like a lifeline for some women. And my, the, yeah, the way I see it is this is in the context of doing everything else to support the body, but then some just extra help that we need probably because we live in a, the modern world and 
you know, exposed to toxins and additional stresses that our ancestors didn't have. And so that's the way I see progesterone as kind of stepping into that space and helping women in a, a, a world that is sort of more challenging than maybe what our body was expecting. <laughs> well said. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go into, because it just really, I think I want to broaden the understanding for women, what's happening with our hormones when we hit our forties and what's happening with our periods, because the, you know, like, as you mentioned, the irregular bleeding, the breakthrough bleeding, the heavy bleeding that these symptoms often lead to surgeries and hysterectomies and birth control pills and ablations and all these things that can really be avoided in many cases. So let's talk about that. Yeah, and I'm so glad we are talking about it because for so long there's been silence around this. There's been a stigma around aging and around menopause that I think is one reason why previous generations didn't feel they could speak about it. I've had so many conversations with patients where when these sometimes quite frightening symptoms start to happen in their 40s, the main feeling seems to be shame. You know, this is, I can't believe this is happening. I must have done something wrong. I don't want to, you know, talk to anyone about it. I'm just going to do what the doctor says that these might be women who have always chosen natural things who never used birth control before hormonal birth control up to that point but then really feel themselves kind of backed into a corner and not having being able to have that conversation so the conversations like this I think are really I'm hoping are going to reach a lot of women in their you know in that situation just wondering what to do next so yes period your periods look like you don't even recognize them and it's two factors. It's the, just the natural loss of progesterone, as I say in my book, kind of quietly exiting the scene. And you can get it. Yes, you can support that with herbal, with mecca, you know, with herbal medicines, with nutrition. You can come in with a bit of natural progesterone. But still, that, that is probably the reality for most of us. And then at the same time, estrogen has decided to go at, as you said, on a roller coaster, it's just having a party for some women. It, the research shows that estrogen in some women can spike up to three times what it was before. So it's an estrogen storm, if you will. Not everyone experiences that, but it can be quite high. And when estrogen goes that high, that's very stimulating for the brain. That can contribute to irritability, you know, mood issues that women hadn't experienced before. And also, obviously, highly stimulating to the uterine lining. And this is where you start to get that potential for things like uterine polyps and heavy flow. And without being counterbalanced by progesterone, that can start to look like quite scary periods. And fibroids breaking through. And, and, but also, when you mention moods, I always tell women, you know, if you hate your husband only two weeks out of the month, it's probably your hormones, not your husband. <laughs> But it really can lead to this. And and I had so many women come into me saying, you know, I just don't like who I am at this time of the month. And just frustrated and lost and scared. Like what's happening to my brain and my body? And um, and so this is this is such an important discussion. So let's go ahead and don't didn't mean to interrupt, but I want to continue just with this discussion because that stimulation of the endometrium and also those peaks, those fluctuating um, levels of estrogen later on can, you know, will continue at some degree and contribute to changes in our internal thermometer and hot flashes. And that is so embarrassing and, and detrimental to so many women and very preventable as well. 
Sorry. See, I just, let's talk, speak about that for a minute because my clinical observation is that it's the women who have been exposed to very high estrogen during their perimenopausal 40s that may, do seem to be at more a greater risk of hot flashes later when estrogen drops. And the analogy I think of is the body has gotten used to or kind of calibrated or become addicted to maybe a higher level of estrogen. And so then when it finally drops away, it's a rougher transition. Do you? This is fascinating because, you know, I've been digging deep into hot flash research and, yeah. you know, and, and it's, it's very fascinating when it comes to it. Like one of the key things is insulin sensitivity, decreased hot flashes, higher insulin resistance, increased hot flashes. Yeah. So we want to think about estrogen sensitivity then, like what your observation is. There must be, and I've never heard that term just making it up, but if we yeah. think about estrogen sensitivity, right? Or estrogen resistance, you know, is there that high estrogen because there's such an estrogen resistance and then the fluctuating levels create this almost hypoglycemic effect you know or hot flash effect I mean, not, you know i'm just kind of making an analogy there yeah. to kind of wonder if this isn't part of the complex that creates some women having really tremendously disruptive hot flashes for many many years yeah yeah that's an interesting analogy i mean estrogen is powerful it, it i think mm -hmm. of it too almost like a drug you know, we, it, it, um, my observation is we do, we can become addicted to it. And that can happen too when women are using a, a high dose conventional kind of hormone replacement later. So true. Try to come off it. It's like, you can't just come off it. It's like a drug. Yeah. You have to wean it down. And this goes back to, I heard you say the phrase earlier, I think just, just the, the minimum amount. Like if, if a woman's going to use estrogen, I really think it's just a dusting, just the just enough to relieve the symptoms and no more because it's then just going to be difficult to come off it. And also putting you know, women at risk of some of the symptoms from high dose, the, the long-term side effects from high dose estrogen. Well, I also think, you know, like for me, starting with progesterone and DHEA, starting more of those natural roots with these ingredients that are, they're called grass ingredients, generally recognized as safe, right? So there are safer components. But speaking of estrogen addiction, I remember having a client come to me and she had been on estrogen injections for her perimenopause, menopause symptoms. And when I checked her levels, her estrogen levels were 600. Now y'all listen, the level should be like 60, 60 yeah. to hundred at peak, you know, we're really looking at so 600. It took her, it took us almost a year to get her down to a physiologic level of estrogen. So there may be something to this kind of tolerance to these high yes. peak levels of estrogen and almost an addictive you know, or, or a um, need for that level because it, it is hard to come off. We never speak about that. Um, but women who, you know, went through our early 2001, 2002 Women's Health Initiative um, yes. backlash of the stop yep. the hormone right away because you're going to get breast cancer. Of course, we found out much more, dug into the research and looked at what was real and not real about that. But women had tremendous 
you know, cold turkey stopping created a backlash of women just like, I don't care what my risk of death is, give me my hormones, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, again, when we use bioidentical hormones, we, and bioidentical progesterone, that was progestin that was used in that study, we've reduced that, we've eliminated that risk completely. So that's a good point. Yeah, that was a scary time. Just yeah, I was practicing then too, and all women just came off. They were and and also they were scared, but their doctors were giving them a real kind of scolding and scare tactic. If there was a lot of suffering, and I did not, you know, I was yeah, that's probably like you. I was trying to come in with some gentler identical options at that point, just to to the word that keeps coming to mind is to rescue them. Yes. Some of these hormonal symptoms are very distressing. I don't think we should just be telling women, just deal with it. You know, that's been sort of the message, just you can just suck it up and cope with it. It's like, no, sometimes it's, they really do need help. One thing I wanted to say about estrogen, and I think you probably agree with this, I'm interested to hear what you say, is as a general rule, I, I would prefer that women, I think they don't need it when they're still menstruating. So during these in our 40s years, most for most women i think estrogen is not the way to go they're already make they're fluctuating they're making high and then low but they can do a lot better with just some nutritional support and progesterone that's where progesterone is the hormone for our 40s would you agree with a hundred percent a hundred percent the rare exception comes to mind in menstrual migraines where i'd slap on an estrogen patch during those first two days you know that they they start bleeding to kind of uh that's the only exception to that rule but absolutely start with progesterone thank you for watching this video be sure to subscribe to my youtube channel here and get those notifications and comment below let me know your thoughts what you loved and what your action step is